you know, like, I'll have a Pilsner later. Um, but right now I want to focus on, on cider, you know, and that's just kind of my approach to it, how I want to talk about it and, and how I want to experience it. Because it, it's fun to blur lines and I, like I'm all about innovation and exploration and we make cider where we use wine grapes and um, begrudgingly we make a hop cider and, and all, that's all cool. The best way to elevate cider is to focus on it rather than to on the next drink or the, the last drink. And that was Ryan from Angry Orchard on this week's episode of Brew Roots. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Brew Roots, where we tell the stories behind your favorite beer. This is Sound Guy Ryan, and joining me as always is Matt and Erica. The most amazing part of Ryan doing the intro is I don't think he breathes when he no. does that. No, he just does it in one breath because i'm a fucking pro that's because it's excellent ryan does vocal exercises actually before the podcast Some uh, breath ex- um, exercise yeah so he's in the back me 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 it's no, amazing no actually I, I was probably i was a woodwind player so oh. i had and and in marching band woodwind player and in marching band yeah so the oh. lungs they they're fucking amazing yeah it's amazing Amazing. Yeah, so we have an awesome episode lined up for you this week. It's 150. 150. Woo! Which means... Super exciting. Yeah. Which, you know, the last 50 episodes, the majority of them have been virtual. Yeah, it's been a different year for us, but also really exciting. Um, We kind of had a new goal for ourselves that we're going to interview a brewery in each state. Yeah. All 50 states. That's that's our goal. That's our goal. Uh, We're still going to be, obviously, mass- centric totally um the and there's so many mass breweries that are on the list and we are always going to prioritize having mass breweries on, yeah. on the podcast but i think we still have like a hundred more to go in massachusetts there's so many but um, um but it's cool it's a slow work in progress and yeah. we're excited to see what else is out there in the united states yeah and thanks to technology uh we've been able to interview places like in texas california washington state yeah um, louisiana and yeah and i mean I'm sure our listeners can tell a little bit of the difference, but, you know. I think they're still pretty great. They're still pretty great. Solid. Because why? Because Sound Guy Ryan's amazing. That's right. I'm so, okay at best. <laughs> uh, so we actually have an announcement to make. Boo-boo! Announcement! We do. Uh, speaking of virtual things, we are going to be doing something virtually on March 11th. Oh, do tell. Well, Erica, it's very interesting. Our friends over at the Mass Brewers Guild... Oh. They do a thing called Mass Beer Week. Oh. I don't know if you've heard of it. I have. Um, and we are going to actually be taking part in the Meet the Brewers Freshman Class of 2021. Nice. And I think that's super awesome that we're going to be highlighting breweries that opened yeah. in 2020. It's the Freshman Class. And there were a couple. So yeah. I believe there's five. Um, we're specifically going on Thursday, March 11th from 7 to 8 p.m. with Penny Pinchers. That's right. So we got our friend Sterling Street Brewery. They yes. opened uh, Faces, Four Star Farm, Penny Pinchers, are, that, who we're doing, and yeah. Brado. Yeah, pretty Yeah, exciting. that's an awesome list. And, um, you know, we're going to be posting about it, so you're going to see that. Um, we're, we have a link on Facebook uh, yeah. or an event on Facebook. So if you want to find out more about uh, Penny Pinchers, and if you just want to see a different side of Brew Roots, because... It's going to be live. It's going to be um, live, and a lot of times I don't think people get to see... No, it's going to be Zoom and Facebook Live, I believe. Yeah. Um, we'll see if we do anything else. But, and uh, yeah, it's going to be amazing, because people think that we like cut a lot of our episodes, and... Ryan can attest. I mean, Ryan, how often, how much do you really cut from an episode? 
What uh, you don't want me to say that? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, we don't position our episodes. No, we usually do really. it like chronological. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it's all yeah. chronological. Um, yeah. you know, but sometimes we go, uh, or I shouldn't say sometimes. Most of the time, we go off the rail on something that has nothing to do with <laughs> that the listeners are we interested in. This, this is going to be unedited, yes, <laughs> off the rails. No, no, off the rails, crazy. Um, but it, it, it's there to highlight uh, Penny Ventures, and I'm it is. so excited is, to yeah. learn about them and. uh and I'm excited for our listeners and, and mass beer drinkers um, to to take a behind the behind the scenes look behind at the scenes behind the scenes look will. at things yeah yeah no it's gonna be really cool yeah speaking of mass beer uh, or just beer in general what have you all been drinking this week hmm. Erica has been on a roll according to her own tap oh <laughs> I don't even follow Erica on tap well it definitely was a lot of shovel town I've been seeing yeah yeah no I did um I had their recent their uh, Patriot which was freaking delicious that was yeah. their Pilsner um and then kind of the fly highlight away, right. And Flyaway, yes, which was awesome as well. That's um, I think it was a double IPA. That's a um, pale ale, ain't it? They're they're Flyaway Pale Ale. Oh, that's uh, Andy. Wrong. That's just Andy's favorite pale ale of like all oh. of New England or something. Oh, fun facts. Okay, God, just kidding. Be just better. Kidding. I'm sorry. Right, literally. <laughs> While be you're better. Right. Wow. Um, <laughs> be better. Right? I do know. Um, kind of the highlight was. I'm gonna make sure I don't get this name wrong. Uh, Mahler. I don't know why that was difficult for me, but it was. Um, super good. That was Face's recent kind of special release. Is that that um, Imperial Stout? Yeah, the Imperial Stout. Hell yeah. It was fan-freaking-tastic. Shout out to Danny for dropping that off for us. Um, that was amazing. We had that at uh, the homebrew shop. It was so good. Yeah. So, um, you should get that. Age it if you want. It'd be a great beer to age. Honestly, I think it'd really mellow out and be super good. Um, or try your fresh. It's great as is right now so yeah highly recommend i have been drinking uh beer that i received in a trade uh some monkish beer Ooh, yeah monkish. and it was really good uh Fabulous. which i'm sure there are people out there that are like i've been dying to have monkish and you're saying it's really good so, <laughs> so if, there you go so, yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it's really good it, uh, it is uh yeah it's worth the hype i guess you know sick yeah and ryan what have you been drinking um, I've been drinking uh, True North and Sylvaticus all week. Nice. Not yeah. even surprised. That's cool. That's um, cool. I finally uh, got to my crawler of their spruce tip from Sylvaticus. <gasps> um, it w- actually mellowed out a little, uh, nice. actually, like way better. I-, I like it way better now. Um, you know, it's great on tap, but I-, I let the can sit a little bit longer than one might want to with a crawler. Um, and I thought the results were fantastic. Cool. Um, and I picked up a whole bunch of four packs from True North, and you know they they never uh, fail to um, amaze me. Um, nice. I really like their beer. So yeah, I uh, I haven't been drinking other than you know that monkish stuff, and yeah, that's really been it. Solid. But I'm keeping my eyes my ears to the street. Yeah. Ah, oh, so uh, we have an awesome episode, like we said, lined up for you. Uh, yeah, buddy. It's a long one. It is, yeah. Uh, and th- this was quite a discussion around us. Yeah. And- so if you think it's too long, you can blame <laughs> me because I fought Ryan tooth and nail. Yes, but give sure us the long. feedback too, because honestly, we we don't know. Yeah. You know, we liked it all in one, but at the same time, maybe 
that's wrong. And maybe Ryan is right. Yeah, maybe Ryan's right. <laughs> I am right. If it's you want right. Ryan to be right, send us a DM at, at, at Brew Roots on Instagram. And if you want Matt and Erica to be right, follow us on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right, yeah. Ryan? Exactly. That's um, patreon.com patreon. <laughs> forward slash Brew Roots podcast. That's not how that works. <laughs> uh, I think that's how it works. But uh, while we figure out how that actually works, why don't you enjoy this episode featuring Ryan? Of Angry Orchard. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Well, we are here live in Georgetown, Massachusetts, home of Small Pond Studios. And we are here with, uh, you may or may not know this brand. Angry Orchard? Yeah. I don't know. I have, I have a lot of questions for Angry Orchard today. All the questions. I have fond memories of drinking Angry Orchard. In college, actually. I was going to say, uh, yeah, yeah, that quite, was definitely a college Quite drink. a bit of ancient yes. Angry Orchards. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I did weird things with Angry Orchards, like weird mixers. Things. Yeah, Oh, mixers, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. was doing yeah. beer cocktails, cider cocktails before they were cool. <laughs> before they were cool. And are they cool? That's I don't, for I don't you know. to determine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're here with Ryan Burke, and that's Burke without an E. Oh. Just so you know. I just want everyone to know that Angry Orchard did not make him drop the E. Uh, <laughs> contrary to popular belief. Um, they right. actually wanted him to add the E, yeah, um, right. but he said no. He said so. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and Ryan, we start every podcast asking our guests um, their role at the cidery. Well, we mm. usually ask the role at the brewery, but this is the cidery. Um, and your first memory of cider? My, my title is head cider maker, um, and that's my role. Um, and my first memory of cider... Um, is pressing apples uh, to make cider with some of my friend's older brothers at a um, an undisclosed age, since we don't want to promote any kind of underage drinking. Right. But um, <laughs> I, it, at some point in the last 40 years, that happened to me, and it was before I started working uh, at Angry Orchard. Um, so, yeah, where, where I come from is um, a little town called Williamson, and there's a quite a quite a cider-making tradition there. So... Um, I knew about it at a um, at a particular age. Absolutely. Uh, what was the original plan for you? Um, did you grow? Was that moment in time for you like a formative time where you're like, I really just want to go into cider making, or no. what was the original plan? No. Yeah. I I wish I wish that I could have um, known to to jump into this industry at a younger age. Um, no. Uh, my plan was to. Well, depends on which, at what point in my life you asked me that question. So looking, <laughs> looking, looking back, but I certainly had plans to like be a musician full time um, for a while. But that devolved into going to law school for a while. Oh wow! Um, and that devolved into becoming a full time cider maker. Eventually, <laughs> it's quite the uh, <laughs> yeah. changes there. <laughs> yeah, journey. Um, what what year did you enter the the cider game? Um, to uh professionally 2011 okay um and that was out in chicago slash michigan um i was making cider at at virtue cider uh which is based in chicago but well their office in chicago and then um, production facility in michigan um is chicago home for you or or illinois no no i did live there um for seven ish years um but no upstate new york um, is, is my, is where I'm from. So for a, along Lake Ontario, um, in a town I mentioned called Williamson sort of 
equidistant between Syracuse and Rochester, right on Lake Ontario. Oh, cool. Uh, a, yeah. a terribly beautiful area. <laughs> it really is. Like, <laughs> you go out there, it's nothing but like beautiful land. Yeah, and a good place for cider. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you were homebrewing, or I guess, I don't know, do you call it homebrewing cider? Yeah, sure. Okay. It's just easier to call it that. <laughs> yeah. Home, home cider making. Okay. I, suppose. I don't know. I, I might get in trouble for saying that. Um, <laughs> um, but sure. I, you know, I wouldn't call it brewing cider. Certainly. Right, um, right, right. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I'm pretty vocal about that. Um, but when it comes to homemaking, yeah, homemaking. But home then making, you're homemaking. Okay. I don't know. It's hard to know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did make it at home. Um, I made it at home in Williamson when I was um, when I when I lived there. Um, and then. I carried that into, um, you know, into college and I was home brewing beer more, um, at that time. And then, um, I moved out to Chicago and I was home brewing and also making cider, um, you know, pretty, pretty aggressively, um, for, for a period of time, especially in that moment when like, I definitely didn't want to be in law school. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was home brewing a lot, um, and making, um, cider a lot. And it was, it was a great place to be, um, well, one having an appetite, but then being really close to Michigan, um, and Wisconsin where there's, a, a, you know, in both States, there's, uh, there's some good, um, old apple varieties that you can get your hands on. And so I was bringing those back and going to pick, um, or going to the cider mill and bringing it back to Chicago, fermenting it in carboys in Chicago. And, and yeah, I was, I was um, kind of diving into that up until the moment that I uh, became sort of professional cider maker, yeah. which so, I, if I, if I am that. Yeah. <laughs> so now at what point were you like, no, I want to do cider, not beer. beer. Yeah, I was going to ask the same yeah. question. Yeah. So there was like this moment where I, I, I was um, doing a lot of homebrewing, like I mentioned, and, and in kind of a group of people that were doing a lot of homebrewing. And it was a bit of, um, you know, we were pretty competitive. We were throwing these events, um, in Chicago, um, in, they were more or less like homebrew raves is how I sort of <laughs> described it over time like because it. they were, they were mildly illegal, um, <laughs> in, in the sense that like you can't sell homebrew beer. Right. right. And I think it's been seven years since then. So we can talk about it now. So you can't get arrested. Statue of limitations. Uh, <laughs> exactly. limitations on this. Um, but uh, it was organized by a friend of mine, a chef, his name's Juan Kim. Um, and he, he threw these events and he would invite people that he knew that brewed beer, homebrewed beer. You couldn't be professional. Um, and we would all like bring our best, uh, our best beer um, and our best cider, although it was just me bringing cider. Um, and I knew when I got involved in this community that this is what I wanted to do. Um, I had no idea what that meant. I just knew that I wanted to participate. I wanted to be a part of, you know, fermentation culture, food culture. Um, I was doing a lot of work with slow food at that time. So it was just like I was trying to find my way in somehow. And um, I, I would have worked anywhere cleaning anything <laughs> um, at that time. And at that time, Goose Island was really the um, that was like the, the big game in town in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, they right. still are, but at the time there wasn't a lot of places. So I was definitely hanging around there and trying to like get my foot in the door, honestly, to be a janitor. It didn't matter to me. Yeah. I just like wanted to be a part of it. Um, and, 
I, yeah, I, I just kind of kept throwing ideas at the wall until, um, I ran into Greg Hall, who was the brewmaster at Goose Island up until the point that they, they, um, sold to AB. Um, and meeting him kind of, you know, changed my trajectory in life. Um, and he gave me a shot, um, with Virtue as their cider maker. You know, I started making fermentations and carboys in a basement. It wasn't like I walked in and was the head cider maker there. So <laughs> it, it took me a while to get to that point. But eventually, as we scaled that business up, um, I did take on the head cider maker role and, and ran the production facility there for, for several years. Wow. Very uh, cool. I do notice you have a drawing of Henry Rollins in the background. So I'm guessing yeah. we, we like very similar music. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, don't, you don't miss Alfred E. Newman yeah. right underneath. <laughs> yes, right. yes. Um, it's funny, you know, going to a lot of those quote unquote underground shows, you know, mm. that may or may not be legal um, back yeah. in the day. Uh, it sounds like a lot of those events that you were going to for, for you know, home brewing and the yeah, craft center is all the same thing. Are you, do you love that like DIY mentality, you know, that, that upstart, you know, it's, it's a little underground, but it's still like, you know, is that, is that something that you're into? It's come up before, um, connecting DIY and like, and, and fermentation. It's been for me, um, it's, it's about sort of like bootstraps and drive. And, um, I, yeah, I definitely grew up in like the DIY punk scene. Um, I, you know, you know, I also grew up in upstate New York. There wasn't so many, well, there was a great op option for hardcore, straight edge hardcore in Buffalo and Syracuse to a lesser extent in Rochester, which, which was closer to where I grew up, but there was a big rave scene there on um, sort of underground warehouse scene. I just participated in all that stuff. Um, and I just like, that's where I've always felt comfortable. And so this, this sort of DIY homebrewing thing was very comfortable to me and, and, and kind of where I, where I felt like my people were. And so that, it got very exciting to me as opposed to say being in law school, which like, that's great for some people, but like, it wasn't right for me. Um, and so within that scene, I was just able to thrive and grow and challenge myself and find interesting people that I wanted to connect with and find my own challenges that spoke to me. Um, and yeah, so I think that, I think that, um, it's not unheard of to find people that came out of those scenes in this industry. Mm. Um, and certainly in the, in the restaurant industry, um, which I, I like to sort of put us all into one big group um because Definitely. we're all very similar yeah yeah and we're all trying to like you know or at least most of us are trying to we have a something that we've fallen in love with and we're trying to take that thing and elevate it in some way with our own unique take on it um and that's punk rock so um <laughs> I'm, I'm into it um have the spider webs of those uh, quote unquote DIY events? Um, is there a lot of other people who are professional brewers, or are you one of the ones that just kind of got lucky? You know? <laughs> no, I mean, no. I know a lot of people who who were in their particular scene. Um, you know, no matter what that scene was. Right. Um, and you know, let's just call it punk rock, but it could have been raves. It could have been whatever, whatever it was, whatever the, their thing was. Um, I think it's. I think it makes sense that it, that like creating, I mean, we're creating something with our hands. So, um, well, is it a punk flyer or is it a bottle <laughs> of cider? Right. I mean, yeah. I'm putting myself into it no matter what. And I want to get it into people's hands. 
at any cost. And I want people to enjoy it, whether it be a punk show or a 750 mil of cider. And, you know, I hope that it like, I hope that it's elevating in some way. I hope that it's interesting in some way. I hope that it's memorable in some way. Hmm. Um, And I think ultimately there's a, there's a hospitality side to all the DIY stuff too. Like you can't like, you threw punk shows or you threw raves or you threw whatever other things there are to throw. Um, and you did it because you're trying to bring community together. You're trying to elevate something. You're trying to focus on an idea. Um, and so it isn't to me th- those, th- that same way of thinking is goes into cider making for me and that there's a hospitality angle to it. Um, there's a mission involved there's um getting your hands dirty there's especially for you know cider is you know you know you guys sort of made the joke about people knowing angry orchard in the in the beginning of the podcast and certainly in the cider community people know who angry orchard is and a small but but after that it's a small percentage of people who actually know what cider is at all um and so while we (laughs) might be the biggest fish in the smallest pool it's still the smallest pool and so we have to yell very loud to get noticed um now you guys might hear it when we yell but a lot of people don't Um, a lot of people don't know what cider is a lot of people don't know who angry orchard is um and so part of that for me, part of that challenge is um, is yelling louder, and, <laughs> and and I find that to be to me it's it's exciting, right? I want to. I, I there's a mission here. There's something bigger than yourself. There's something bigger than your brand, um, and you know I I don't. That's similar to me to to promoting my band when I was 18 with a flyer standing out in front of somebody standing out in front of like, you know, some, some known bands show trying to get people to come to the local show. (laughs) Right. Right. You know? Yeah. So that's a good transition. Um, I guess to start, you know, talking about education, what are you doing and what maybe the angry, is the angry orchard brand doing, um, to educate your customers and to bring in those people? Sure. So, um, it's, it's a core mission of our brand to educate folks on cider. Um, and that's before I came around and it's certainly, um, you know, I think elevated since I came around. And one of the reasons, or I guess one of the luxuries I have on that is we, we, I came on as we were, uh, building out our cidery in New York. Um, and that serves as an education center for cider. Um, I mean, like I said, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people don't know what cider is, but let's just say they've heard of Angry Orchard. That doesn't mean they necessarily know what cider is. Um, and so when they come to Walden, they walk, they might have coming in only drinking, say, our flagship Angry Orchard Crisp, but they yeah. walk out having tried, you know, 15 different ciders, um, uh, of, you know, sometimes there are ciders that are available nationally. Often they're ciders that are made locally and have no distribution, uh, whatsoever. They're often, um, you know, grown, they're ciders that are grown on our orchard. Um, they'll be, you know, varying degrees of dryness or barrel aging or wild fermentation or, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, it's an education. It's basically an educational center for cider. It's also in the middle of a 60 acre orchard where people are actually getting to see cider where it's made, as opposed to like drinking cider in an urban setting, for instance. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of people, I know this is like sort of 
sounds, um, I keep saying like a lot of people, but we <laughs> do a lot of, um, you know, work to understand what the general public knows about our category. And it's, you know, probably not surprising to you, but, um, you know, often people just don't know that cider comes from apples and that seems ridiculous probably to your listeners, but <laughs> the general public yeah. really, really, it's like, it's, 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 it's the truth. Um, and, and, and in that is an opportunity to educate. So I'm, I'm sure you've seen, or maybe you haven't, but you know, we've done a lot of commercials, um, over the past couple of years where we're talking about apple varieties and mentioning bittersweet yeah. apples and et cetera, et cetera. So our public faith, you know, our image is, is, is to be educators. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's sort of company wide. Um, and then, you know, personally, I'm on the board of the American Cider Association. Um, I'm a founding board member of the Cider Institute of North America. So we're the only science-based cider education that you can um, currently get in the U.S. Wow. Um, you know, that's taught at Cornell um, and, and other universities, including at Brock University and in um, Canada. So myself and, and, and several other cider makers um, and... Um, and uh, college professors are, are a part of that board. So, I mean, I, I sort of dedicate my life to cider education, um, you know, inside and outside of work. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Before we get too far into what you're doing at Angry Orchard, I want to just give a quick shout out to our amazing sponsor, Sasangai Ryan. Take, Take it, it away. away. Sure. Did you know that your favorite Massachusetts breweries use hops from a local family-owned hop farm right here in Massachusetts? Our friends over at Four Star Farms are there for you whether you're a commercial brewery or a small batch home brewer. Make sure to head over to their website today and get your hands on some of the best and freshest hops available locally. Cheers! Cheers. At our local homebrew shop, Beer and Wine Hobby, you can get everything you need to make beer, wine, cider, cheese, and more. Not sure where to start? They have knowledgeable staff there to help. Beer and Wine Hobby is family-owned and located in Danvers, Massachusetts. Visit their website, beer-wine.com, and use our promo code BREWROOTS for 10% off your online order today. Shirks on Tap is the box subscription service where you can get some of the dopest brewery t-shirts out there. I'm talking breweries from Dallas, San Diego, and even our home area of New England. And you might ask, how do I get my hands on some? To get your first box for $5, click the link below in our description, or head on over to our website, breweries.com. Remember, drink better beer, wear better shirts. And we're back. Uh... So, Ryan, I want to know about the cider that you were making in Chicago at Virtue um, before you were at Angry Orchard. And how is that different from the, the cider you're making today? Sure. Well, um, cider has changed a lot since I started making cider at Virtue. Um, I think it's, it's important to, to just sort of highlight um, the vision... Uh, at Virtue early on was to make 
only dry cider. Um, it was to only be sold on draft and in 750 mil. It was kind of a higher at the higher end of cider, quote unquote, was was I mean, that's a pretty simplified way to talk about it. But um, more or less, that's what we were after. So, you know, the fermentations were um, kind of funky. So, you know, they like to say European tradition, which I sort of eschew that these days, but at the time was certainly bought into that idea. Um, and so, yeah, we were distributing, I mean, there was distribution. We were in, I don't remember how many States anymore, 15 maybe. Um, and I think there are probably more now. Um, and, and the vision of that, of that program has kind of changed for them. So now, you know, at the time, 750 is only and some draft now, you know, you could buy virtue in a four pack of cans, um, and, um, you know, things just sort of changed. So back then it was cider only using apples, nothing else. You know, now they have different flavors. I think one with cherry, one with honey. I'm not totally sure anymore, but, um, you know, they, they've sort of evolved that stance. Um, and, and I, that's just, um, that's kind of a comment on the evolving cider industry. Um, and so when I left Virtue, that kind of hadn't happened yet. Um, but it was on the cusp of happening. And so when I came to Angry Orchard, um, you know, the beautiful thing for me with Angry Orchard is that I have a couple different playgrounds to play in and one's the national market. Um, and then one is the local Walden, um, cidery. And so while the intentions are the same, um, from a, you know, we're trying to make drinks that people enjoy, um, that they, you know, can be proud to have in their hand that, um, work well with food that are fermented in a, in a, in a, you know, fermented well that, um, are balanced. Um, they represent, you know, kind of all different, the, all the whole spectrum of the cider industry. So Angry Orchard Crisp to like the driest, you know, single barrel fermented single orchard sourced cider um i can play from that in, in that entire spectrum mm. um and so um not a lot has changed for me in my intentions because i always wanted to make cider that people enjoy um and what's great for me now is i have more access to more people um and so i can get people drinking cider in more places. Um, and to me, that's the honor of my job. Um, and I take all of it seriously from crisp to that single barrel of, um, of, you know, whatever wild fermented cider that we grew the trees on our own orchard. Um, so if anything, I've had the ability to throw a lot of splatter paint at the wall. Um, and some of it's worked and some of it hasn't. Um, and I mean, that's the, that's the fun that keeps me interested in this, in this role, in this industry, right. Is, and, and it kind of doesn't, I mean, unless people just don't want to drink cider at all, which, you know, I don't, I don't anticipate that, um, you know, it kind of is always evolving because the fruit's you know, the seasons are changing, the apple varieties that are coming on and coming, you know, going in and going out of fashion or, um, you know, new varieties coming available on our own orchard or someone planted something cool up in the Finger Lakes and we can get some, um, you know, it's always moving. So 
I kind of just kind of flow with that, you know, and I, and, and, and that's, what's interesting about it all to me. Yeah. Yeah, Changes all the time. Um, Obviously coming from a brewery that doesn't have a parent company such as Angry Orchard with Sam Adams, uh, Boston Beer Co. being the the parent company. um, How, how does it operate? Is it close to, you know, your, your smaller, you know, cider house or is it, you know, do you feel that pressure from, you know, from Jim? For lack of a better term. <laughs> I mean, it's, again, it's two different, it's kind of two different worlds. Um, the, the local program um, is pretty, yeah, I mean, people are feeling, my team's feeling the pressure from me. Um, <laughs> and 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 it's, it, I, I say that in jest, I think we, we mostly have a really good time. Um, and... Yeah, we are like R&D, new product development and like things that would have the kind of pressures or expectations that you're asking about are normally things that, you know, we're, we're, we're planning years in advance for the for the national market. What we're doing for our local taps and our local drinkers, um, it's pretty laid back. We take a long time to do everything. Um, most of our ciders in Walden won't. They'll take anywhere from six months to a year to be ready. Oh, wow. Um, we don't do any fermentation to package. We do all fermentation to aging. Um, we've, we do secondary fermentation, and meaning malolactic bacterial fermentation okay. on just about everything. Um, probably 75% of it's being um, aged in oak. Um, either in small, you know, regular, like 53 gallon or 60 gallon barrels or some large format, you know, more like 700 to a thousand gallon fooders. Um, so we we're definitely blending a year behind almost on everything. Uh, most cider is at a minimum six months. Well, I shouldn't say most cider. A lot of the cider is a minimum of six months and up to a up to about three years at this point. Wow. That's about this. That's about as far as we push cider from an aging perspective. Um, and so what that does is basically we ferment and kind of bulk age everything in variety of places. And then we pull from that over time, um, to create either recreate existing brands that we, that we like, um, or to create new ones. Um, and that program, I would say, doesn't really have much pressure. Um, just the just sort of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, the recipe for crisp, uh, obviously, when you came in, that was an established brand. Uh, yeah. Has that changed at all, or is that something that you've had to keep, you know, maintain? Or yeah, so um, it mostly stays the same. The varieties of apples can change from year to year, but not enough that it's noticeable. Um, and that's mostly because we so we'll the there's a percentage of that cider that's made from traditional cider apples. We those apples are grown in France. Um, some of those varieties are biannual, um, but we can generally kind of you know call it blend a spec. You know, people really couldn't notice it, and and I and I hate to be re- like reduce uh, parts of cider to just words, but in, in some ways, you know, tannin is tannin is tannin and acid is acid is acid. And no one likes to say that it's not very romantic. (laughs) And, And I definitely prefer the romantic approach and there are nuances from one apple to the other, but you can, you can also get reductive and, and say tannin is tannin. So we can kind of blend blend it away if you will yeah um you know one thing that we 
do look at is sort of people's changing tastes around, you know, sweetness. And that is one thing that actually has been for me is like, has been a really interesting project to work on with Chris um, is to, is to reduce um, the sweetness in the cider over time. Um, it, and that's a, that can be really challenging because you have a product that is a lead product. It is our national flagship product. Right. It, 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 we sell a lot of it and we don't want to piss our drinkers off <laughs> who, who love it, you know, absolutely not. And, and that would be inhospitable for us to do that. Um, and that would go against, you know, the whole point. So finding ways to, to change a, a national flagship is very difficult, yeah. um, without pissing people off. And so, um, you know, we have, we have played around with reducing sweetness. We have reduced the sweetness. We don't talk about it really. Um, I like, we can talk about it here. We don't advertise it. You know, it's not like I'm going to be on a commercial. Um, Oh, it's crisp, suddenly less sweet. <laughs> yeah. That's not going to be what we do. But, um, I think it's, it's fun to get, to work with something like crisp, which is this sort of behemoth cider um, and change it in a way for the people that love to drink it. That's really sort of unnoticeable to them, Yeah. Um, but, but maintains the integrity of the cider. So I feel like, you know, Angry Orchard is kind of known for that sweet cider that probably appeals to the masses. And that's probably why you make it. Um, but would there be any plans or are there any plans to make maybe a more, traditionally less sweet cider or something that to, to put out at the masses? Sure. Well, easier said than done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, in, in our portfolio of cider, crisp is, is the sweetest. Um, our unfiltered cider is, is not quite half um, as sweet. Um, and, and we've had things that are a little bit drier than that. It, 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 it's a thing we all wish that everybody could would catch up to, but yeah. it's just not where the it's not where the average drinker's um, palate is. It's definitely a more informed, craftier. I mean, I don't even like to use either of the words that I just used. Um, <laughs> it's just like an experienced palate yeah, and right. someone who's really committed to to cider and really wants to explore cider will start to find. Um, these other taste profiles that they find interesting. And I hope that we can bring people in. And Chris, without a doubt, is a drink that has brought people to the industry that, that those drinkers have moved on from Crisp and into other ciders. That right. happens every single day. Of course. Um, and it happens at our own cidery. Um, and it's amazing and fun. And it's sort of the honor of the job um, is to get people excited and interested about all the things that cider can be. Yeah. So you're, um, you're trying to make what, that small pool a little bit bigger. Yeah. What, but what we see on like on the national stage is it just doesn't, it just doesn't hit. Um, is people there, just don't sorry, is there a way for someone to maybe get your local stuff? I mean, like a cider club of some kind where someone could buy it and get it shipped to them. Well, funny you ask. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, I think we announce it tomorrow or Friday. Um, we are starting a cider club. We've been working on it for a while. Um, it'll be all cider coming out of Walden. Yes. I think it ships to 30 states. It's through Vino Shipper. So however many states they can ship to. Okay. Um, I, 
I'm just a cider maker, so <laughs> I don't um, necessarily know everything um, about what we're doing. But I know that um, it's through Vino Shipper. We will announce it um, on our social channels. It's going to open up kind of limited um, because a lot of the cider that we do is very small production. Yeah. Um, and so it's going to open up to just 250 people oh, on day on day one. <laughs> and then we're going to grow it to double that um, by the second quarter of this year. Um, and continue to grow it kind of as we figure out demand around it. Um, but I'm really excited about it. This is sort of that to, to go back to that sort of DIY conversation. Right. Like some of these ciders are, you know, these are ciders I put my heart and soul into. Um, they're ciders that are, you know, made from apples grown on trees that, that, you know, we planted since we bought this property in New York. So, um, you know, I selected those varieties. This is really personal stuff to me. Um, and most of the fermentations will be, um, you know, natural wild fermentations, a lot of, you know, barrel aged stuff, things that we just like either can't make enough of, or, right. you know, we're just, we're they're They're just, you know, they're not, they're for people that really want to explore what cider can be. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm excited to get these ciders into people's hands and uh, around the country because otherwise it's really the only access point is to come and visit us. Yeah, and, exactly. And a, and a couple of restaurants, you know, around the country that are like our, you know, our friends that, that carry it here and there, but it's pretty spotty. Hmm. Uh, I'm curious about your process to maintain the product um, in the field. You know, do you guys pasteurize? Um, for our national cider, we pasteurize. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, for our local cider, we do not. Okay. Yeah. And just, and I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just shelf stability. Oh, you know, of course. It, yeah. It is what it is. Kind of have to. Yeah. You don't want it re-fermenting. Yeah. So I don't, and I don't, you know, I, the, I go back and forth about pasteurization from like a quality perspective. I don't really, it just depends on how you do it. Like everything, there's a, there's an art and a science and you can do it in a way that's very aggressive and extremely noticeable. I don't personally find it to be really noticeable in our, in our ciders. Um, and even when we, um, we have pasteurized stuff in Walden, which we've done just like doing trial work just because, um, when there's a bittersweet component to the cider, I normally don't really pick up on pasteurization in a way that I find it to be extremely off-putting. But if you say you had like a single variety, like high acid dry cider, it's called, there's like a Newtown Pippin cider. It had no tannin in it whatsoever. It had no sweetness in it at all. Um, and you pasteurize that. Well, first off, there'd really be no reason to pasteurize that. But second, um, then you would really notice it. There'd be sort of this like baked or overripe character that comes out. But when you have a lot of traditional cider apples in it, it can kind of, I'm Mask not saying you can't flavors. pick it out, but it can kind of blend yeah. in. Um, and I might get smacked for saying that from certain <laughs> people, but um, I, I, over time and having tasted a lot of things next to each other, um, I, that's sort of the conclusion I've come to. Yeah. Well, okay. while saying that, I still avoid it. Um, on, on most of the stuff we do, well, all the stuff we do locally. Yeah, definitely. Well, before we get into what you guys are doing locally at the at, at Angry Orchard specifically, <laughs> um, we just have to give our sponsors a shout out. Are you a solo artist, band, podcaster, or anyone else who needs recording services? 
Well, we got a place for you where your vision can become a reality. Welcome to Small Pond Studios, built by hand with heart and sweat equity by musicians for musicians. Go to smallpondstudios.io to reach out to get more information. And make sure you let them know that Brute sent you. Hey, Sound Guy Ryan here. Didn't know if you heard, but we're a part of the Hopped Up Network. There you'll find other informative podcasts about beer. So go ahead, follow them on social media, and visit them on their website, hoppedupnetwork.com, to learn more about the people, beer, and breweries from around the country. And until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. So um, I guess my next question, kind of more specific about, again, making cider, do you have or can you even share what yeast blends you use? Mm. <laughs> Is it top secret? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I could. Um, I won't. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I will. I, for what, we do, what we do on a, um, on a national level, we keep pretty close to the chest on on yeast varieties, which is pretty, a pretty standard thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I'll be a little bit more loose with you on what we do in Walden. Um, mostly I don't pitch yeast at all. Um, that's true. And, you could say wild fermentations. So yeah, yeah. So you're more than welcome to take one of our bottles and dump it in your fermentation and, yes. and, and get whatever <laughs> you want out of that. Um, when we do pitch yeast, um, we we're normally using um we always use wine yeast um okay and i'll do um it just depends i'll do um we'll use white wine yeast when we're we're working with varieties that need a little bit of body in the middle um so if we're not gonna if there's not gonna be any tannin present um we'll still want to like try to accentuate the sort of mid palate body. Um, and there's some wine yeast that I like that, that, that do that white wine yeast. And then we'll, we'll play around with some red wine yeast that elevate tannin. Um, and my, okay. my sort of first love in, in cider making, um, is English, like English West country cider. I just love big, rich, over the top tannins yeah. uh, paired with like, you know, sort of bittersweet funk, um, <laughs> farmhousey English, you know, uh, pasture, um, ciders. And so I really do like to like push tannin and I usually use more tannin in my cider blends than I would say the average American cider maker does. Okay. Um, and I, so I like to accentuate that in, and there's, there's a variety of wine yeast, red wine yeast that will do that. Um, and, and that's just sort of how I pick, yeast when i use it um is okay well you know one i'm not going to use i mean yeast is all made in a lab right so like right <laughs> it, it's essentially selected to do certain things right. and um you know there for instance i would never use beer yeast because beer yeast is made to ferment beer um by somebody who selected it over time to you know survive well in a in a beer right, while right. it'll work while it's <laughs> fermenting it's not necessarily and probably won't um ferment very well in a cider without giving it all kinds of nutrients and things that it would need in order to not stink up your fermentation um or just not ferment it for instance yeah, um, yeah. 
What about so sadder I yeast? I mean, I know there are some sadder yeast varieties out there. Is that just wine yeast, I guess? Yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. It's like marketing. All the, all the yeah, marketing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all the commercially available cider yeast are repackaged um, wine yeast. And if I'm Again. wrong, then, then whoever that person is who's making a dedicated cider yeast that has all kinds of lab um, work associated with it please send me an email because yes. i'd love to i'd love to try it but up, up until this point i've never heard of that okay hmm. uh, fun facts i'm curious about the the walden community um mm-hmm. i always think it's nice when i mean we can talk about the boston tap room first sam adams they really put themselves in the middle of the boston community they're doing a lot of great things for the boston community uh yep. what's angry orchard doing for the the walden community and uh obviously providing awesome cider because i've had some of that limited cider yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, well, I mean, certainly we're a community gathering space um, that changes throughout the year when, I mean, this has been an odd year um, (laughs) without question, Um, but we definitely have like a peak visitor time, which is sort of September through Thanksgiving. Um, Is it coinciding? What's that? Does that coincide with the the leaf leaf peepers? Or cider season? Well, yeah, we get... (laughs) We'll get leaf. The leaf peepers uh, come for sure. Um, it gets pretty crazy. We're, yeah, we're, we sort of didn't build the place for, um, say, 3,500 people to show up on a Saturday. Um, <laughs> but as it turns out, that's what we've got. Um, and so we've had to grow in a lot of different ways um, to serve, you know, people coming. Um, and that includes like parking lots and things just, we just like, didn't know that it was going to be what it, what it be, has become. Um, and so, yeah, leaf peepers, um, but you know, people that just like associate cider with the fall, um, and New York city folks trying to get out, you know, to go to the Catskills, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we'll see less of our local community then. Cause it's just a total madhouse. Right. Um, but once that dies down, um, you know, after, the, after Thanksgiving, you know, we, and, and then from that time into, you know, the middle of the summer, it's mostly a local crowd. Um, and so I think we give back to the community in the sense that we have this community, um, space where we're, you know, we're bringing music, we're bringing food, um, we're bringing a reason to gather, um, which, which, you know, didn't really exist in Walden, um, at least at, at, at this level. So there's that. Um, and then we do a lot of work with our larger community, um, in Orange County. Um, and that, that is a mix of, um, you know, working with some urban gardening, um, stuff in Newburgh. So Newburgh is our, um, is the big city of, of Orange County. Um, so we're, we're digging into, into that city. Um, and, um, yeah, we do a ton of fundraising. Our team is always uh, working at the local food bank. Um, we donate all of our tips. Um, we've done that every oh, that's cool. Every month of every uh, year since we've opened, and that's on our that's on our front of house team. That's the thing they yeah. elected to do in the beginning, and they keep it up now. So every month we donate um, to another local charity. It changes wow. um, from month to month, and you know, in the in the busy season. When that's we see a lot. 3, <laughs> yeah, we see 3,500 people a day. Um, it's a lot of tips, and I'm really proud of of my of my coworkers for continuing to keep that up because they could easily decide to to keep that cash for themselves, and they don't. Um, Especially right now we, with COVID and everything else. So, kudos. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, I do want to talk about misconceptions of cider. I think uh, 
a lot of people have misconceptions that cider gives you a mm. headache or uh, <laughs> or it's all sweet or know? it's all <laughs> sweet um, yeah. and you, you mentioned it earlier uh, people think that cider is just made from apples or they may not even know, that, even know. That, yeah. that, that cider is made of apples what are some misconceptions that you want to just solve right now <laughs> oh man the, the so headache thing is the I mean the longest running canker sore of my life right. um, besides the Burke with no Ethan. <laughs> right that's the other one um, but, you know, how many people have told me that they're, you know, allergic to sulfites Ugh. or, and it's just like, dude, do you know how much sulfur is in everything you eat every single day? Do you have a headache every single day <laughs> is a question that I want to ask. And of course don't. And, yeah. um, and, um, but I mean, you're not, you know, you just drank too much one day and maybe more than one day um, <laughs> and you got a headache and that sucks. And I'm really sorry. I mean, it's the same thing about tequila, right? It's right. like tequila doesn't get you any more drunk than anything else. You just got too drunk. I beg to differ. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I've, some done, I've done some weird things it. with tequila. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever weird thing you did on tequila is your thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I mean, you, you also bring up a good point is, you know, oh, cider is too, is too sweet or cider is only sweet. Um, cider certainly can be sweet, um, but cider can also be bone dry. It can be, um, you know, it can be made with apples. It could have pears in it. It could have, um, you know, any variety of anything, just like craft beer does. And so there's sort of no limitations. Um, I think you would get a varying degree of responses to that statement, depending on who the cider maker was, um, if you were asking a cider maker that question, some people would say cider with fruit in it isn't cider at all. Um, <laughs> you know, things like that. There's always, you know, a different way to look at it. For me, cider is just this. It's um, it's a open category with you can kind of do whatever you want. There really aren't any rules, and so. For anyone to suggest that cider is one thing would be someone that wasn't tuned into what cider can be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we get the same thing in beer. Yeah. yeah. You know, but you can do anything with beer, too. So, Is unfiltered cider the hazy boy of the cider world? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, it's not. It's definitely not. Yeah, I mean, uh, first off, I don't even think we could, like, we're... I don't know if cider could get elevated to a blank boy. Um, you know, like, I don't know if we can, if we're there. I would, I would, I would kind of love it because it, it would, it would sort of mean um, a certain amount of hype around the category um, that we just kind of don't get. That beer definitely gets, you know, the sort of blank boy um, slash like waiting in line for n nerdy milkshake <laughs> for hours. <laughs> Yeah, like we just don't. That's just not part of the drinking culture of cider. Yeah. Um, so no, and you know, I think it's really great for beer to have discovered it can be on. You know, beer drinkers to, to discover that beer could be unfiltered, and and that could maybe be a good thing. <laughs> I think you know historically, cider has been kind of an unfiltered drink. You know, forever. Um, and so it's, I mean, just like in beer filtration is a, is a relatively new thing. Um, so when I look to like the ciders that I, that I love, especially from, you know, from, you know, Spain or from England, I mean, they're just not filtered. They just don't filter. So there's no like blank boy to that, yeah. you know, it's like not a hype move. 
Uh, when you see unfiltered beers uh, or ciders, unfiltered ciders, um, oftentimes I see it with instructions <laughs> yeah. that you have to shake up the can. Um, is that something that... Uh, is that you, a thing? Is that a thing? Is that real? <laughs> is that... I mean, it's a thing that some cider makers put on their cans. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, we don't do that. Um, I, you know, maker's choice. I, I don't. I don't see any like there's no need for that and for those ciders that we make that are unfiltered. Um, so, you know, I think when we do something that's unfiltered, we won't obviously run it through a filter. But, you know, that doesn't mean that you can't do some things like cold stabilization where you would hold that cider in a tank for a blank amount of days at a cold temperature and get a lot of the particulate to drop out. Um, and then package it, right? Yeah. It remains an unfiltered cider, yet some of the sort of, you know, yeast and apple particulate will have will have dropped out, just like in an unfiltered, um, in, 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 in certain unfiltered beers. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and so, like, I don't, I'm not against anyone's enjoyment of any cider. However, my personal making style would be to not have a bunch of stuff that you would have to shake up in it in order for it to be palatable or interesting or, unfiltered. or, or like avoid what was floating at the bottom. Mm. You know, like I just don't look like that's not part of my style. Yeah. So you would I mean, if you if you were to that's true. We have our unfiltered cider that it's distributed nationally. Um, that's that's true there. Um, and then you know, locally in Walden, we definitely have clear 750 mil bottles that have some stuff at the bottom, but I, I would, I would more approach it from a, and there's nothing wrong with the stuff. It's apple, it's tannin, yeah, yeah. yeast, whatever. Um, there's not a lot of it, but there's a little bit. And I, I personally like to cant that off. I treat it more like a Lambic mm. where I would sort of yeah. leave that behind and, and, but if some got in my glass, so what? Yeah, <laughs> won't kill you. Yeah, uh, I am curious. I, one thing, um, a feather in your hat for the product that you guys are making is it, it's consistency. If you get it in, oh a, for sure, in a, super uh, consistent in a can, or if you get it in a bottle, or if you have it on draft, um, it tastes the same. Which I think is, yeah. is is difficult for cider, especially with the different apples that you're you're having to use and the different blends that you're having to do. Um, mm -hmm. What goes into the 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 process, the process like picking of apples consistency. And consistency. Yeah, 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 for consistency. Well, yeah. So from a on a on a local level, uh, we sort of we were blending for consistency, um, basically on taste memory um, and sort of you know style guidelines sort of if if i think about that like if we're gonna make like a cider that is sort of an ode to spanish cider well then we have a framework that we work within and you know hopefully some fermentation knowledge of that particular style and we'll try to repeat that um year on year even when we're doing wild fermentations um when it comes to national cider i mean it's about um, it, you know, it's more sort of call it recipe driven where you're following an exact science and there's a lot of science involved, yeah. you know? And <laughs> right, so, right. um, you know, we're, we're sourcing fruit from the same places. Um, and, um, we're, our fermentations are just very dialed in. Um, 
you know, we're, you know, as we mentioned before, we're pasteurizing for shelf stability. Um, and so all of that kind of comes with, I mean, years of for perfecting the, the art. Right. So, um, and a lot of that on the, I mean, the national level stuff is well before my time. Um, but people have been working on, you know, our fermentations for years. And in fact, you know, Angry Orchard before it was Angry Orchard, um, was a different brand, um, that in 2011, we changed it to Angry Orchard and was always the Boston beer company cider. Um, and in, in the beginning of that, you know, we worked with uh, cider makers out of the UK who had retired, that had been making cider their whole lives, um, that helped us put together what crisp is. Um, and so we had, you know, decades of fermentation um, science and experience put against those early fermentations that became Angry Orchard. Um, and so, I mean, it's a mix of all of that. Mm. Uh, one thing I, I noticed about you is uh, you want cider to stand alone. You don't want it to be a beer alternative, and you don't want it to be closely related to wine, I guess, wine. or, or seltzer. Seltzer, even hard worse. seltzers. Um, talk about <laughs> no. that. Yeah, talk about that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I love. I have varying degrees of affection for each one of those categories. <laughs> um, even hard seltzer. No, <laughs> <laughs> so I. I just. It's, you know, I, the, the cider industry has changed a lot since I've gotten into it. Um, in, in it, it, we're such a, it's great. I mean, we're such a young industry in America, like a, a real industry of like making and selling yeah. cider. Certainly people in like making cider in the woods somewhere, you know, <laughs> in my hometown, um, and, and around the country, um, for a long time, but you know, a real commercial cider industry is really, you know, the late seventies, early eighties up in Vermont and New Hampshire and in the Hudson Valley to some extent. Um, but it, you know, it really is a young industry. And so like this being my 11th or 12th season makes me kind of old in this industry. And a lot's <laughs> happened. And since I, since I got in, um, and I just I, I've I've had to sell cider on the merits of another drink and so much that I just can't fucking take it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, seriously. And so it's just kind of like at some point we were ha like we had to talk about cider in relation to beer because that's what people understood because cider was mostly being sold in a bar setting on draft with carbonation like a beer and you would be selling cider and people are like, how come there's no head on this? We're like, Oh fuck. Um, all right, how do we do this? <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, wait, how do we wait? We can't do that. So wait, how are we going to get beer drinkers to understand? And I had to like, you know, that was, that was 10, 11 years ago, um, in a, in a bar setting, trying to sell cider, um, on draft, which was just like a pretty new thing. Um, yeah. It really was. And it might have been cider here and there, but like, not really. Um, and so I just kind of like at some point, and this was even when I started at Angry Orchard, so almost six years ago, we were still kind of talking about cider that way. And I just like, I finally, at some point in that, right when I came on board at, at Angry Orchard, it was just like, I'm not, I'm just like not going to say this anymore. Um, like, if you're used yeah. to this beer, then you should try this one. Or, oh, you let, you know, just like, no, 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 no. We just need to stop talking yeah. about it altogether. 
let's only talk about cider. Let's talk about it for what it is in its own world, um, on its own merit, with its own benefits, um, its own interesting stories. Right. And let's just forget about beer. Um, and and then what, what that sort of ended up happening, like in New York, for instance, um, and on the East Coast, often the cider community is like a 750 mil it's definitely like right. a lot of dry cider being made um you'll see a lot more and i'm saying in juxtaposition to say the west coast a lot more high tannic you know sort of traditional call it european type cider um only european because it uses european varieties <laughs> um but uh and so you you sort of that can be talked about and sold like wine because it's in the same serving vessel. And so people will be like, oh, well, it's an alternative to wine. You, you like that? You no. know, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to get, let's not explore that. Let's stop. <laughs> I love, like, I love wine. I love to drink wine. And there's occasions that wine fits into my life. And I love all of those occasions and I value each and every one of them. Um, but there's also equally or probably more in my case opportunities for cider to shine in a way that like i that i think is interesting and fun to talk about and to explore and we have these all we have these old world communities that we can explore we can go to spain we can go to england we can go to france and germany there's there's hundreds if not thousands of years of cider tradition to look at and then there's america where we're doing all kinds of crazy shit with cider that nobody else is doing just like we did with craft beer and and i want to explore that stuff and i don't want to I'm not, you know, like I'll have a Pilsner later, um, but right now I want to focus on on cider, you know, and that's just kind of my approach to it, how I want to talk about it and, and how I want to experience it. Because it, it's fun to blur lines and I, like I'm all about innovation and exploration and we make cider where we use wine grapes and um, begrudgingly we make a hop cider <laughs> and, and all, that's all cool. The best way to elevate cider is to focus on it right. rather than to focus on the next drink right. or the, the last drink. Yeah, uh, definitely. You mentioned all of the the crazy things that people are doing in cider. Um, how does Angry Orchard stay relevant in a world you know where multiple ciders are popping up across the market? And yeah. at this point, uh, shelf space is like king. You know, you go to your Whole Foods and you see fifteen different. No, 15 is even putting it lightly, saying, like yeah. 50 to 60 <laughs> different types of beer. Uh, yeah. You know, 15 to 20 different hard ciders, seltzers, hard seltzers. And, um, yeah. Why do people grab Angry Orchard? I mean, obviously the name brand and the commercials you guys have done in the marketing, but when there's a million different options out there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you touched on some of it already. I mean, the qu quality and um, and familiarity is is important. We our drinkers know what they're going to get, and they like it, and they and they come back to it. And um, the last can tastes like the next can, and you know, all that's, that's really important. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot of players and there's a lot of innovation going on. And so, you know, we, I think we, I mean, every other year or so we come out with a pretty strong new innovation. Rosé was that last like really Ooh, big thing. That was actually a really good one. That we did. Yeah. That was, that was a super fun project. Um, and we, we kind of got out, there was a bunch of, Rosé that came out after that, Angry Orchard kind of definitely on a national level was sort of fir first to market. Um, and so that was just a fun kind of explosion of cider excitement. Um, and, and we kind of haven't had a, a banger like that since. Um, but that's not to say that we're not thinking about what, you know, 
what we're going to do next. And so we're always um, in a sort of in a cycle of R and D, new product development, um, and yeah, it is. It's hard to know what the next thing is when um, flavors change seemingly by the second. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's not hard seltzer. It's a little bit. Um, it's it's a little bit slower, a, a slower moving uh, process, right, for cider and beer. Um, so, I think um, I think we stay relevant by keeping our current drinkers happy while trying to show them what cider can be with with new innovations um, as they come out. And sometimes they hit and sometimes they don't. I mean, our unfiltered cider, which is like my 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 baby out in the world, I, I, I care about it so much. I We put so much time into it. Years of work went into that cider um, and we tried <laughs> to bring it out and release it a couple different times and it just wasn't right. And um, it's a cider that like a lot of people will come up to me who, you know, maybe they moved on from crisp or they think crisp is too sweet for them and they drink that cider and they say, this is the kind of cider I've been looking for. So I, I you know, and I, I, I relish those moments. I, I love to hear that kind of feedback. Um, but I would say, it, you know, it definitely doesn't move off the shelf and at the rate that like a crisp or a rosé right, does. Right. Um, so, you know, we just kind of keep plugging away and, and trying new things and seeing what sticks. Uh, being at the head of some boards that you're you're part of, uh, you know, here locally uh, and nationally, uh, what is the next trend in, in cider? Or I mean, you, you're obviously seeing things. Uh, what's the oh next man, I wish I knew. Um, I wish I knew. I I do think, just like generally, that people are starting to gravitate towards less sugar in everything yeah not just cider but everything food to drink um Mm. every and everything in between um so i think we i think we can take more liberty on like complexities in fermentation and or like ingredients and i think like what happens at the local tap room versus what happens in the national uh you know drinkers mind are, are 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 very different things. So you might see like, um, a fruit cider, you know, just selling like hotcakes at a local tap room, but the national market might might not be ready for it yet. Um, and so I think we're, we're just like always looking at, um, what's buzzing in our tap room and in other people's tap rooms. Um, so definitely we see fruit cider. Um, so that being cider plus any kind of fruit, you name it, I think is, is, sort of the most fitting thing for the moment people are definitely like looking for variety and full flavor um and i and i wonder you know you sort of see in in the hard seltzer world um i wonder because right now those flavors are like um kind of light it's like very light and refreshing like that's the mode but like at what point does it turn into like well people want more full flavor and are they willing to like are they willing to give up that calorie thing, that hundred <laughs> calories for like yeah. a little bit more complexity, body, mouthfeel, aroma? I think so. I think there'll be a, a tipping point. kind of boomerang to that. And right. I do think cider has an opportunity in that, in that boomerang to kind of bring forward fuller, more complex flavor. So I'd like to think that's what's next for cider is being what it is. 
um, and kind of offering what some of the other trends can offer, but, you know, doing it in its own way. Absolutely. I know Sound Guy Ryan's chomping at the bits to ask a question. Um, I find it really awesome that, you know, you're super passionate about the whole education uh, mm -hmm. part of things. And I want to ask you, like, what do you want to learn more about? <laughs> That's a good <laughs> question. That is a good question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before. Actually, I know no one's ever asked yes. me that before. That's a really good question. I think, um, you know, one of the things that like has happened to me with um, having like the largest cider drinker base and then also a really small um, local drinker base and sort of like nerdier drinker base. I was reading your, you know, the, the you asked, you posed that question on, um, on Facebook about what, what to ask. And it's amazing to me to see people mention like the smallest production, nerdiest ciders, um, yeah. like our understood in motion stuff, which is just like ultra nerd, um, <laughs> you know, total passion work for me. And to see people like talk about those brands, um, is pretty wild. I, I've actually like never gotten over that part of all this. Like as I, as of my career has progressed, like I never, I'm never not humbled by that kind of thing. It's always like super cool to me. I yeah. never, I, I just, I hope I never get cynical to it. I hope <laughs> I never get bitter about it. I always try to show up at events. I'm always trying to be at, at the cider summits or cider con or like, I'm always trying to talk to people. It, it's just like, I, I try to remember 12 years ago when I was begging to be in this industry every yeah. single day I try to remember that when I go to work. Um, and so, um, well, I, that's all true. And I, I, I kind of walked into this like larger angry orchard cider drinker base. I definitely like went deep dive on Walden and what we were doing there and how those ciders worked with food. And so, I, and, and it ultimately like drove the sort of higher end call it, um, exploration where it was like the, all of our food pairing stuff that we did, we we're bringing, and we still do bring in chefs from all around the country, all around the world to, to come and cook at angry orchard and, um, and pair with our ciders. And a lot of that cider is like really, you know, dry and kind of funky and high in tannin. And it, it, we just went down this like higher end approach and deep dive. And over time it was sort of like, bounce back the other way right like that, that's where my head is at right now yeah. where i like don't even like yeah. to use the words high end i think it's like <laughs> not fitting i don't think high end and cider makes any sense um because like the most you can spend on a bottle of cider 35 bucks may ice cider maybe a little bit more yeah like we don't really ha like we're we're so accessible if you try to like make us unaccessible as like as the cider as a cider maker to make it like really high end or out of reach for people, then you should go make wine or something. Uh, because <laughs> right, like right. that's just not what cider is, and like I don't think we're gonna push it in any in my lifetime to you know a, a three hundred dollar bottle of cider or is like the local um, the local like vintage wine shop going to carry understood in motion one in 10 years and, and sell it for a $2,000. Yes. No, but like, <laughs> you know, like high end isn't a part of this conversation. And so I, I wouldn't say they got caught up in it, 
but in some ways I got caught up in that mindset and it's not hard when New York city is right down the street and there's all these amazing restaurants and, yeah. um, and so I know I'm like long winding answering your question, <laughs> but what's been really cool is to kind of bounce back the other way. And what I'm more learning to do and what I want to know more about is like how to bring that mentality to, to everybody and make food and cider really the most accessible thing about cider um, and so that cider can kind of show up anywhere with anyone at any cuisine, um, at any backyard party, um, anywhere where food is being cooked, I think cider can show up and like how in exploring that as an idea is where I'm like really trying to learn right now. And I think it's one of cider's unique um, opportunities is to is to is to be able to cut across all culture and be accessible to everybody. And so that means like we, there's so much for cider to explore at the table that hasn't been done. Um, and I'm like, those are the tables I want to sit at and those are the meals I want to eat. And those are the ciders I want to drink. So that's what I want to learn. Well, Perfect I, answer. I'd be remiss not to ask, do you have a favorite food <clears throat> and cider pairing? Uh, dude, I'm, I'm, I, this is sort of lackluster. I'm a very simple person. I just cider and cheese, man. And it's a great combination. Kind of, yeah, you can you can you can pick your favorite cider and pick your favorite cheese. Um, for me, it's usually um, a pretty high tannic, medium sweet, English West Country cider or style cider um, that is paired with um, an equally um, funky uh, and pasture like uh, cheddar. Um, Ooh, yes. and so, um, in, a, in the U S I mean, one of my favorites honestly is, is, um, ja Jasper Hills Cabot cloth bound and, mm. and a medium sweet high tannic cider it, name your cider. Um, that that's like the perfect pairing for me. Love it. Yeah. It, this is a pretty ridiculous statement. Uh, if you have never heard of angry orchard, um, or have never seen it, where can people find you on the internet or, you know, I guess sure. just open your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're certainly at your favorite blank. Um, and yeah, outside of that, you know, the 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 stuff, the cider that we're making in Walden, it's out there here and there. Um, but mostly you do have to come and check us out um, in New York um, or, you know, soon we will have the cider club, like I mentioned. So mm -hmm. that'll be that'll be really one of the first times that people around the country will have. Um, access to this stuff so i'm i'm you know i'm again i'm pretty fired up about that i yeah. i am looking forward to it being out there and and getting and getting that feedback um from around the country from cider drinkers um are you scared and, of the feedback like through untapped yeah, maybe or <laughs> i don't know i mean this i don't know haters gonna hate right yeah but yeah i and i'm sir i i certainly have thick skin um i'm not worried about it no i think you know, I'd like to think after 11 or 12 years of cider fermentation that I know something about it. I, yeah. <laughs> I, and I, I at least know what it is I'm, I'm trying to do. Um, and, and I think I'm, I usually get there. Um, and, and anything that we put into a bottle that we would give or that we would sell, um, or give, um, <laughs> to anybody, you know, it would, it would, living up to a standard that I believe in. Yeah. And so if someone didn't like it, 
I wouldn't be offended because I know that, you know, it's a, it would be of quality. And if they, if they're for some reason they didn't like it, you know, there's probably an opportunity for education around cider there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm not worried about it. And I think one of the cool things about direct to drinker sales, like a cider club is like, one, they signed up for it. Yeah, they want it. <laughs> true, yeah, true, right. It, yeah. You know, and so they, they, they're excited, right? They know yeah. about it. They, they're, they're, they, they want to get, you know, get close to, to these ciders. And so, um, you know, we also get to, you know, we're more or less hand selling this cider across state lines. Um, and, and that's pretty cool. And so, you know, it's not like we just ship them a box with right. a bunch of cider explanation. Yeah. It's uh, another great opportunity getting, for education as well. Yeah. And we're putting yeah. a lot of time, effort, thought into, you know, what gets shipped with that box of cider and how we explain it to people and what the stories are and why they should care about it and what's interesting, et cetera. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be some cider that ships out to people that taste like nothing they've tasted before. Right. And I, I don't mean that in like a little, <laughs> whoa, no, it's like, awesome. taste it. but like, <laughs> you know, there, there's going to be cider, you know, in our, in the second shipment, we have a cider that's, that is the first cider that I fermented, um, at Walden. So we found it in some barrels. Oh my God. Um, that's awesome. And it's five years old yes. at package. So it's, it's kind of weird and different <laughs> and it's, it's sort of like oxidative in a, in a good way, um, <laughs> done in an oxidative style. It's not oxidated. Um, um, and you know, it doesn't taste like cider that most people have, have drunk. And so, you know, that's pretty cool. We, it is cool and it's fun. And it, and it gives us an opportunity to educate people on all those things I just mentioned and like, yeah. Well, maybe if they tasted that, if they opened up a bottle of crisp and they tasted that, they'd be right to be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> right. But right. in this cider, in this 375 mil, you know, with a special label on it and a cool story attached to it, um, you know, hopefully we can open people's minds to new um, new ideas. Yeah. Well, I think I want to. Do you have a question? No, I was going to say um, to continue along with this, uh, I guess, what's in your fridge at home? Yeah. Right? What do you what's drink? What do, what do you drink oh, at home? What drink? What's in your fridge? Uh, <laughs> Not the ketchup. Um, just <laughs> well, um, I this time of year I'm drinking a lot of. Well, it's been relatively warm out um, up until about today. It's been like 45 here. Yeah, yeah um, same. And and more. Yeah, and and warmer. Um, I, so I definitely go by what's happening outside. Um, so this would be like normally like red wine season for me. Okay. Um, and it same. still is, but I'm sort of drinking lighter red wine, like more like Gamay, like lighter, fruitier yeah. fresh red wines. Um, I am drinking Pilsner. Nice. We like to hear that. Good like choice. Hear that. Yeah, I'm big. I'm big on Pilsner. I, I definitely like trade beers and ciders with friends. So, um, I'm, I, and by that, I mean, my friends that are making those things, um, <laughs> not in the nerd, not in the sense of nerd. Oh, and no beer so trade. <laughs> beer trades. So no one hit me up for any ISOs. But, um, 
So Sean Hill at Hill Farmsteads is a great friend of mine. We do a lot of trading back and forth. So I've been drinking a lot of his cans. So jelly. Oh, their beers. Just okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You've heard of them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So a lot of Mary. Uh, oh yes. Um, Edward. He, he just sent me down some Edward, which is like for me is like I spent a, a the the first collaboration I ever did. Um, as a professional cider maker was with Hill Farmstead when I was at Virtue, um, oh, this beer so called cool. Elab- Elaborative Two. Um, and that was 11 years ago, 10 years ago. Um, and I've been going up to the hill for, for a long time. And his Edward is just like a taste memory beer for me. It was every time I drink it, I just like think of so many things and yeah. conversations I've had and times I've been up there and, and man, what a special beer to get to drink in a, in a can. I'm so glad he's, he's canning stuff. So that's right in my fridge right now. Um, oh, I'm jealous. It, normally I drink, like I would ha- be having like cocktails this time of year, but as it turns out, um, my wife, um, is pregnant and hey, congratulations. We, thank you. Yeah. We're about to have a baby. So <laughs> drinking has kind of been like any day now, um, a little bit less, yeah. Um, imbibing, <laughs> um, out of respect mostly. Um, but I still have a glass, um, here or there. So yeah, I think Pilsners and, and fruity red wines is where I'm at. And of course cider, but, um, I think that's obvious. Yeah. I definitely encourage our listeners who have had angry orchard in the past and maybe have not had it in a while to, to go grab it because, yeah. uh, I did that recently actually this weekend and I was not disappointed. And my girlfriend no. who doesn't drink beer enjoyed the hell out of it. Exactly. So, uh, and I enjoyed it as well too. It was perfect in the hot tub. <laughs> it's a good hot tub drinker. Yeah, that should For be sure. a commercial. You say yeah, yeah. Matt from right. Brewer. It says drink it in a hot tub. <laughs> yeah. And you do this with a beer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you can, but you feel terrible. <laughs> Way better right? the cider. Yeah. Yeah. Gives you a headache when you do it with a beer. It gives you a headache. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what it is. See, that's that's the press you need. That's that exactly we gotta find something. Yes. Well, well, Ryan, thank you for doing this tonight. Uh, we oh, do yeah. appreciate it. Uh, Definitely. And we'd like to end on one last question. Mm. What are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? I think I'm, I mean, I think I'm probably, I should probably say my child that's about to be born. Um, <laughs> and she's not here yet. You have yet. time. You have time. She, yeah. <laughs> she's not here yet. Um, man, what am I most proud of? I guess I'm most proud of finding a space that I, I fit into and never taking it for granted. Um, that, that's, yeah, I take a lot of pride in that. And I think it's easy, you know, especially for me to, um, I don't know, I'm just, I feel very lucky and I kind of have the, you know, it, it's, it's such a cool, spot that I'm in with Angry Orchard um, and it allows me to do so many things I've always wanted to do and things I never knew that I could possibly do. Um, And it's allowed me to get, you know, build relationships with people that I never thought that I would be able to, or never even knew were available to me. Um, And I, and I just like never, I, I just always try to keep it in perspective and I'm, I'm proud of myself or mostly keeping in perspective most of the time, Yes, um, <laughs> you know, and I, and I, yeah. So I, I try to keep that up and I try to think about it every day and yeah, I, yeah, I'm proud of that. 
That's a great answer. Definitely. Well, thank you for doing this again. I am holding you to sharing some Pilsner and Chianti with LaShawn at some point. Oh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> hopefully in a post-COVID world yeah, where we can actually hang out ideal. without a mask. Yes, but, yes. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I look forward to that. Um, yeah, this what a devastating in so many ways going on two years now. Yeah, uh, seriously. Um, I just can't believe I mean, this time... Oh, well, not about this time. Well, yeah, January, end of January was CiderCon last year. It's about to be CiderCon again this first week of February. And it's virtual this year, right? Uh, virtual CiderCon. Yeah. Um, which, which um, if I could plug that, um, yeah, it, by is, all means. it is available online this year, which is super cool. So I think more people across the country can can go without having to to fly somewhere and stay in a hotel, et cetera. So um, I think that's really cool that we've been able to pivot um, but just to think about on a timeline, I was gearing up to fly out to San Francisco right now last year to go to CiderCon while COVID was happening and no one knew it yet. In a city where like it was like really hitting right in the beginning at a conference with people that were all around the city coming in from all oh, around the God. country. Yeah. Can you imagine doing that right <laughs> now? <Yeah. laughs> so scary. It's like mind, yeah. It's like mind boggling to think about that. Yeah. Moment. And then what's going on in the last year? I just, from a hospitality perspective, I just miss those connections with people so For much. Sure. For sure. It's, it's, it's really kind of awful. Um, I, I, I too look forward to when this can turn around and we can revive um, people's, you know, ability to work and, and yeah. keep their restaurants open and their cideries and breweries open and, and wineries, et cetera. Um, so hopefully soon. Yeah. For sure. Well, Ryan, thanks again. Uh, and we yep. will see you soon. And uh, thank you, everyone, who's listened this far. We have an amazing outro for you. Oh, yeah. Cheers. Thanks, Cheers. Cheers. Hey there, Brewers listeners. I know you're feeling in the romantic mood with Valentine's Day coming up right around the corner. And if you're looking for the perfect gift for your significant others, we have two options for you. Oh, option number one. Go to your local brewery and buy your significant other that perfect four-pack. I'm talking maybe a lager, a pilsner, or even that New England-style Option number two. You can head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash breweries and get your significant other one of our amazing tiers. Well, until next week, we'll catch you. And hopefully, love is coming.